2: Welcome to my good bad brain I'm a normal person so I'm insane I've got depression and ADHD but I'm doing better since I medicated me I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person
0: hi i'm gonna keep this intro short because it's actually the morning of the subsequent sunday and we're about to do another live stream in about an hour <laughs> uh my time management skills they're poor but that's fine this is a lovely this was from last week's uh podcast that we did um there were some snafus at the beginning as there are when you try to do a new thing because we should show we're using youtube's streaming service um but, uh, it's a really nice episode. I think we talk a lot about like, I don't know. I know I always talk about politics and I'm like borderline ready to just call this a socialist mental health podcast because we can't stop it. But that, that was a, a really interesting thing to dive into. Uh, so this is like four warnings what I'm bringing up now is like some people I think really want to separate the idea of like their mental health and what they're anxious about from the ideas of like politics or what's going on in the day. Uh, the material the material effect of like what's going on in your world and your life the idea that that would be separate from your mental health is like so silly, I think, so you know we talk a lot in this episode about that stuff, and we also get into hopefully answering or approaching answers to the question of like, what can I do though? Because I think a thing that messes with a lot of our mental health and makes a lot of people stick their head in the sand about their own material problems even is just a sense of helplessness. If you have this helplessness, you'd rather just sort of, you know, shove it into a little corner of yourself and lock it away and pretend it's not there and live in that denial. And I don't know. I don't think that that is really a mentally healthy thing to do. I, I don't think you can truly say you're well. I think you know you've got something you know locked in a locked in a closet. I think you know you got a little angry Wolverine somewhere that's being like, you know, tearing up the guest room, and you got to be like, hey, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. What's that sound? Nothing. Nothing. Oh no, I don't think about it. I don't think about the sound in the guest room. I don't think about the Wolverine tearing up the guest room because. It causes me anxiety (laughs) and it's not good for my mental health. So yeah, Uh, I think he's peeing and pooping in there a lot. Yes, that's fine. Uh, You know what I mean? But that's a metaphor. Anyway, so I'm gonna shut up and let the show just roll because, uh, like I said, we're doing another show soon, and I just want to pop this up before we <laughs> get into it. If you like the show, check us out on patreoncom Uh If you you can also go to MyGoodBadBrain.com and uh, the, just you know buy shirts and things like that and if any packs is fun. And uh, also, I've been doing on Instagram Live these these workouts at noon every day. These quarantine calisthenics. So we've gone we've gone, uh, four weeks straight, which is crazy. So if you ever want to come work out and you think that'll help you, I mentioned some of it on this podcast. Check me out uh Jarrett underscore sleeper. And they're fun. They're fun little you know, they're good for your body and your brain. All right. Um that's it. Thanks a lot. I'm gonna shut up now. We're gonna listen to the episode of me and Nick we're talking and we're gonna be hopefully I'll see you again today at YouTube. YouTube dot com slash J Sleeper is the channel. And uh you know I'll post the I'll post the link is up. Alright. Thanks y'all. See you bye. I was fucking muted.
2: <laughs> no, really?
0: Yeah. I was fucking <laughs> muted. On my stupid-ass mixer that I got to make my life easier.
1: The betrayal of tech, man. You Feels
0: know? good, man. Feels good, man. <laughs> now I'm showing up on the meters. Now I'm showing up. I'm showing up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jokerifying rapidly. Yay. We got yays. We got all goods. We got It's happening.
1: Wow. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Crazy word is. All
0: right. Wow. We fucking did it. I was getting ready to just shut the shit down. And, you know. Whatever. It's Sunday fucking morning. All right. Whatever. Hi, everyone. Hello, people in the chat. If you have anything you want to talk about, today's a di- it's different. It's different today. We're in a new place. Sure. We're chilling. We're chilling. <laughs> Getting ready to fucking smoke a joint. Just kidding. Well, kind of. Um, so I don't know if any you guys have probably well, here, since you haven't been you only heard half the conversation, we'll vaguely restart. Like vaguely. Basically, Dr. Nick and I were talking before the show began. And while the show started, is like, how do you talk about anything but quarantine? Because this has become rapidly, it's the quarantine show. How you, how's your fucking brain doing in quarantine? Because we all are quarantined. Society is quarantined because society is sick. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then we were talking about that. That like, how do you not talk about politics? Like that, there is this part of us that's like, oh, I think that's a little bit of a an illness of the of the discourse as well, to be honest. Which I think is falling apart in a cool way, like the way we are taught to silo off our lives and say like, Hey, let's not talk about politics. Like don't know politics at the dinner table. And especially when it's like mental health, I I actually think this is related to what we talked about last week with like toxic positivity and stuff like that, that like this idea that don't talk about anything that might be materially affecting your wellness. (laughs) Just talk about the feeling you have, try to change the feeling. And on the one hand, I think that's like positive. I think it's like, a positive thing to think to yourself, Oh, I can, my experience is subjective. My experiences and my thoughts are something that I can affect my behavior. And that's true. But you know what I mean? It's like saying it's like, there's an aspect of it. That's like, if you had a big cut on your arm and someone was like, instead of trying to put pressure on the wound and stitch it up and stop it, we're just going to shoot Novocaine in there and just pretend it's not an issue.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I, I mean, I think what bothers me so much about it is, again, to kind of like um, retrench behind the like assumptions of doing science is when I feel like I'm talking to someone who has a different point of view, which I love to do, but then, I, you know, I get the sense that they're just not open to any evidence that might contradict their position. Right. And so then I'll like start by kind of asking in the beginning, like, are, is this something that you would be open to changing your view about if you saw evidence that uh, this view was erroneous yes. and people just like can't, can't, even answer that question. You know, often it's like, no, it's not, there is no evidence. It's all from a fake news source or blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, th- this is like, you know, the videos of Fox news hosts talking about how they've always uh been consistent that the coronavirus is dangerous and then like you just watch a video from 5 days ago and they say it's a left wing hoax i mean this is related to the idea that it's very difficult for some people to take in information that demonstrates that they could have been incorrect about a position
0: well, isn't there literally We're- like um there's a a famous study that was like Not the Kruger-Dunning thing, but the one that's like, that there's like um, some kind, like uh, if if you are presented with evidence, facts that your point of view is wrong, that it only deeper entrenches your belief.
1: There are many, yeah, there are a lot of studies that kind of get at different angles of this, but there are some concepts like cognitive dissonance or confirmation bias that point at the notion that it's very uncomfortable for people to hold views that are contradicted by evidence. And so they will make an effort to keep their view and select evidence that supports it or distort evidence that contradicts it.
0: So, right. Yeah. Confirmation bias. Right. And there's like a.
1: Cognitive dissonance is another
0: one. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a very famous study. I'm like trying to Google it on the side here It's a Stanford thing. I think it's old. It's like a, it was like, uh, we'll try and find it. Or, or if I find it, we'll put it in the we'll put it in this week's literature. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, but I think that that experience is frustrating on on both sides of the line because we're so used to. Somebody said here, by the way, oh, right. What are you doing, Michael Hollis? What are you doing for fun? Because we're in quarantine. Even the escapist topics of TV, video games lead back to the context of quarantine. Yeah, exactly. That's like, this yeah. is the quarantine show. This is the quarantine mental health show. What are you doing to stay sane in this new world? And I will just, I want to keep on this topic that we're talking about, but i to just retread for the people who, while we were muted, was like one thing we were talking about was that the strangeness of this time, obviously, but that Nick and I, who have always been Weirdos, I guess, and like you know, enthusiastic about uh, societal breakdown, whatever, like possibilities. I don't know. I think I w- I was just saying I'll just speak for myself that I have been experienced the James Franco meme of like the first time thing with the noose around his neck from Buster Scruggs about everything. Where like my girlfriend and other people who are like I would say are normies uh, in a in a positive way, in the nicest way I could say, people who society as it has been has functioned for them, like. What not that it wasn't hard, not that it's not hard and because it's hard on everybody. It's hard to be a person. But like that, I think it's I think it's harder. Maybe this is part of the the thing about people who it's hard to show them facts that contradict what they're going in. It might be related to it. Is that like if the system has worked for you, if somehow, like you found success through it, even if it was challenging, you overcame it, though you figured things out. I think it's harder to accept that the structures that seem so solid out there, these material realities that affect what our sense of things are is like, it's harder to accept that those might be imaginary or that they might be very fragile or that they could crumble overnight and actually don't have a lot of value and are proven to not. And that it would be hard to adjust to those facts on the ground uh, rapidly because up till now it's been such a foundation of reality. I think for me, at least Nothing's really ever made sense to me. I remember I like I really broken about money early in my life because like of a couple reasons. One, because there were times when my dad had a lot of money. He was like this personal injury lawyer, and then he had like this mental breakdown, drug thing, and broke some laws and stuff. And then I remember times when like the electricity and the power are getting turned off, and it just seems so arbitrary. And then personally, I had like this experience of I would get like a I was like a busboy at a restaurant. I'd work my dick off all weekend. My feet would hurt. Everything would hurt. I'd barely have enough money to like pay a cell phone bill. And then I'd get a a voiceover job where they'd be nice to you for 20 minutes and give you like, do you want water? And and then you make like $2,000 to like say something to a microphone. And I was like, okay, so society makes no sense. Like there's no meritocracy. This has nothing to do with effort. And so things like that, like just fundamentally broke my sense of like, things make sense. We're going to, you know, everything's okay. And if you work hard, you'll be all these things. So like, and that just added to my general mental state in general existentially, where you're like, well, nothing makes any fucking sense ever. It's all just an idea. And then I've decided to be an actor, but I think it was more the other way around. I feel like I had to be an actor because like it was just using your imagination to pretend things were real. And I was like, that's what I feel like I'm doing every fucking day anyway. So now that this is happening, I'm like, yeah. I'm like first time to everybody else who's like having this existential, like, what do we? I'm like, yeah. I'm like that's what it always has been. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I do. And I I guess what I'm concerned about, I mean, that, yeah, I, makes perfect sense to me. I think it's just the idea that, I, I don't know, to me, I kind of, so like the lens I come through is I just feel as if people haven't like read enough history or like history of science. I mean, I don't know why on earth you would think, or someone would think that the structures and rules that govern our interactions that distribute money and resources, that these are somehow like the positivist rules that we discovered these immutable rules. And this is how it should be. It's just what's happening now. I mean, it's happening now and it was different 50 years ago and it was really fucking different a hundred years ago and it was really different a hundred years before that. So the idea that somehow this is the right way is just silly to me, but, but it seems as if people are invested, the winners are invested in convincing people that it can't possibly be any different or everything would be horrible. I mean, and this is like, when I see, I mean, when I see like people posting pictures of empty supermarket aisles with captions, like dry run for a Sanders presidency, like this is socialism. It's just like, like it's, It's literally (laughs) an unfettered free market that you're seeing. Individuals boarding in an unfettered free market. That is actually what you are seeing. So the cognitive dissonance of transposing that reality onto something that isn't happening because it makes you feel emotionally safer in the face of this failure of the systems you believe in, to, to me, it makes me feel hopeless because I don't think you can reason with those people. In fact, that is an assumption. I just don't think you can reason with a lot of people. And so then I ask myself, well, given my assumption and perhaps other people, you know, I'm open to being convinced otherwise, I wish someone would convince me otherwise, but, you know, my view is that you just cannot reason with a lot of people? I can't say most people, I you know, who knows? But a lot of people you can't reason with. So what do the rest of us do? You know, what do we do when we can't reason with a lot of people, even when it's in their self-interest? Our 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 perspective would be in their self-interest to share. But what do we do? We can't reason with those people, and you're not gonna reason with people in power who are beneficiaries of the system unless they have a real expansive moral imagination, which few of them do. So, so what, what's the next step? You know, that's kind of what I,
0: well, I want to, I, I think related to that too. And you know, I'm like, sorry, not sorry to anybody listening or watching today. Who's like, cause this is something we talked about while we were muted too, is like, there's this idea that we should separate politics or something from our mental wellness from like our whatever, but that's absurd. Like you should separate politics from anything they were like we don't talk about politics when politics are just the expression of the material conditions that affect our lives
1: yeah so this to me like people always ask me like what's the difference between social work and psychology i think it's this you know i think in which is something i love about the field of social work is that we don't pretend that somehow what goes on inside your mind or even between people like in a social psychological sense is not influenced by the structure mm-hmm. of our society, material reality. That those things, my view, and I wow. think the view of the, the field is that those things are inextricably linked, and it's just a fantasy to pretend they're not. So
0: anyway. that's profound. I've never heard that. That's like that's very profound to me. I feel like that's. In in this that tiny phrase, I'm like, wow, that fundamentally shifts my understanding of what I'm interested in. When I talk about like mental health or mental wellness, is that like it's I because I, I've long had an inkling I'm not interested in psychology. I'm not interested in the psychology that is parodied in What About Bob of like the person who lays on a couch and that just doesn't fucking make sense to me. I'm I'm interested in uh. Uh, the reality of my experience and how I can affect that and bring that in sync with um, things. And then also the reality of the world that's affecting my experience. Like like one thing I think that's hard to navigate for me still, this is like the eternal navigation, I believe, of any kind of uh, attempt to affect my own cognition or mental health is like the line between One, which seems to have been a fairly, at least a battle that's being won more and more in the discourse of validating people's experiences of saying like, not just like toughen up or it's all in your head saying like, no, it's fucking real what you're going through. And there are real reasons that you're going through this, like, which is to me, material realities of whether they're more immediate traumas in your personal life or things that exist systemically that are not healthy for people's brains and spirits and bodies or whatever. And then, uh, but then the second half of it is is the line of saying like, here's what you can change in effect, and then you can. And I think that was that was what I was going to ask you about your thoughts on and and what we do because this is something I do feel like I'm being faced with a lot lately. Questions from my community, my friends, my loved ones, close people to me, and especially I would say like those normies who are like the good faith normies, the ones who are going like, whoa, all the things I thought actually are pretty fucked up (laughs) and uh what do we do now and um basically my thought is like facing material conditions and i I, i'm i'm nervous as this question because there might not be a very happy answer coming i know you've like worked in social work in fucking like los angeles county it's like you know there might not be a great answer here but like facing the material realities of what seems fairly hopeless at the moment. And and like, we're all just small people. What can we change? What can we do? And being faced with like, I don't fucking know, maybe I can't stop. I definitely can't do anything about the GOP. And now it seems like I can't even do anything about the democratic establishment. And uh, maybe this is just going to march forward in this way. And this feeling of just hopelessness of this, this, I don't know. I will say, I will offer this kernel of the thing that occurs to me is just to you know act locally get it smaller and smaller just affect positively whatever i can in my small realm and that might just be bringing loaves of uh good sourdough to that my my you know James Beard chef best friend makes to my neighbors but like um as opposed to you know these like sad little like squash loaves everyone making their best effort no but um you know what i mean but so what do we do yeah, with that I, hopelessness yeah. because i think that hopelessness is the reason people revert to the thing we we're talking about the cognitive dissonance thing is like i'd prefer rather than this murky hopelessness with no answer no no idea how to fucking affect things i would prefer to go back to just at least i had a sense that things made sense before and i'm going to stay in those beliefs
1: yeah i mean i think they're you know to kind of move up levels i think it's You know, kind of start low. I think it's really hard because you know what a lot of people do. Well, okay, so so much of our kind of intellectual discourse now takes place online. Like that's the new salon. You know, it used to take place in, in living rooms and then in like social clubs and whatever, but now it takes place online. And we are like, by the very nature of those tools forced into like truncated communication and like a hundred whatever the fuck it is, you know, 180 characters or whatever. So you see people just sloganeering, you know, like mm-hmm. slogan slogans are not discourse and slogans are inherently non-analytical. So I think that's one thing is when you find yourself yourself thinking in terms of slogans to force yourself to like do a causal analysis. Like what mm-hmm. what are you actually claiming what is the claim that you're making and what's the evidence in support of the claim like that's what i tried to do. like i was about to retweet this photo of like all of the large healthcare corporation ceos salaries which is like a great photo you know it has all their salaries and where they were but then i was like actually i i so i replied and i was like hey do you have a source for any of these numbers mm-hmm. you know and just, just stuff like that yeah. so that that's kind of one which by one the thing. way
0: to me is part of why and i fall into that trap too like it's hard to not do those things
1: well, I, it takes advantage of our natural inclinations i mean there's a reason why these you know these approaches are being a b tested on millions of people all the time so it makes sense that they're very good at getting us to do these things you know, like yeah for
0: example. there's a I, I don't want to derail but there's that this does make me think there's um somebody said uh ida maria said greta thunberg said something like people talk about getting back to normal but normal was a crisis we shouldn't go back well like a hundred percent but like on that um that note of like uh, there's a there's a there's somebody on i think their name brad brad trammell on instagram and it's like an art kind of an art criticism account but it's like from uh I don't know if you could be like working class art critic or something like that. It's very funny. It's very online. It's obviously like poking fun a lot of the time at like establishment art practices, gallery art practices, things like this, the art education practices. And um, he, he made this one long thread one time about art versus politics. And that basically like art has no effect on politics like that maybe once upon a time, but now it's been kind of like proven out that, art is not going to achieve some political goal like the fact that you could have uh some ricky gervais or something in front of this room of elites like saying all these yeah and i'm not saying i'm a big fan of ricky gervais i think he's got a lot of issues but saying stuff to their face that's true and uh uh, and they just laugh about it you know what i mean it's just like okay so this isn't going to change anything but that the question should become like like because when you said that thing about sloganeering i thought to myself like Yes, that's true. That's also why I think memes and like are, are basically haiku. you're like poetry like is what we retreat into is something that says like I, I'm not interested... like basically the the thought at the end of the Brad Tremell thing was we should think about what art can accomplish, that politics can't that like what is art for yeah. versus you know what I mean like i that- do
1: I mean I do I think I don't know I'm a little more cynical about it like I think the reason why all of Hollywood can laugh at like pretty fucked up truths about themselves is the same reason why it's okay to make fun of white people is because it doesn't threaten right. their or our positions of power. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. threaten power. Right, right. You know, to make fun of like, oh, white people are boring. Like I I can laugh at that because it doesn't threaten my privilege and power. Right.
0: Know? No, I think that's true. But I, I'm I guess what I'm thinking is like as we move forward, maybe in the in the state, because I don't think of it as like a po I, I'm like maybe this is just getting back around to this, still this question. I, I didn't really let you finish about your, th- which I'd like you to go back to about like, you know, what do we do to, to, to empower ourselves and to hopefully have some positive effect, not just on our own personal well wellbeing, uh, but you know, not in a Novocaine sense, in a sense of like, let's uh, treat the wound and change things is like, I don't know. It almost feels like the attempt to use art or politics or whatever to change an established thing is, Meaningless, like you're not gonna, because everybody just deeper entrenches in, in their things, and you really only have to focus on like what's new, like a, a new radical base or something like that, like what the possibility of what you can create in your own life. That's you know not convincing a, a, a machine that exists to be something it's not.
1: Yeah, I feel you. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of think that you know, just th- okay. So we think about like what are the most effective like tools of power. And I think art can be one. And like, I think art can change attitudes in the sense that, you know, there's good evidence to show there was like a soap opera introduced in, I believe it was in Brazil that talked about, um, uh, safe sex practices. And that like, that was associated with the measurable increase in safe sex practices, like among viewers. So, you know, there are ways of like disseminating information to people, uh, to change cultural norms through art. Like I do think, you know, and now, now that medium is like TV or um, film. So I do think, and probably now like newer tools, like, like video, YouTube videos and, you know, um, influencers and whatnot. So I, I do think that that can have some kind of effect on the culture, but the problem is that like, it comes back to who gets to, disseminate and decide and it's it's just we know now it's not a democratic process. I mean
0: But don't you think that's part of like the inner the power of the internet is like this co-created strange like the the,
1: yeah, the under I, I do but I don't think it's a I mean, the kind of fantasy is that it's a totally egalitarian marketplace where people vote on what's best and those things rise to the top. And I just don't think that's the case. I think it's right. I'm open to changing my view about that again when one shown evidence. But to me, I think it's people who have the most money and support are amplified. Right. And within small groups, you know, it's not like one normal curve. There are all these kind of subgroups, like small curves and, you know. There are moneyed interests that amplify voices within those small groups. So I think that's probably that that seems to be, you know, what's happening. Yeah. Um, And so what does that tell us? Well, it's the same thing that it's been from the dawn of time that money capital is really the the of the, the like most effective tool of power. So I think that, you know, yes, we have to do what we can in our spheres, but I mean, we got to, we have to like be present in local politics. So like my colleague, yeah. Robin, who I work with on this, um, youth homelessness intervention, she is like this tireless advocate for, uh, engaging in local politics. And she, I mean, really from the time that I've known her, she's always like, anytime there's like a local election in LA, she's, you know harassing everybody about it to go and vote and pe- people don't you know like a few th- a handful of people vote for city council like thousands you yeah. know in a city of millions it's just crazy and like these are the real decision makers who right. affect our daily lives and like nobody fucking pays any attention or gets engaged with that so i think local politics is one but i, I don't know i really hmm. i actually think that we're in a period where We don't have a good template for mass structural change. We don't have a good template. I mean, like we thought we had one in the kind of, uh, you know, Tahrir Square revolution. Like there were books written about how social media had become like effective tools for organizing revolution. Mm -hmm. But actually what happened is that those tools got co-opted by the government for mass surveillance. And now we have another dictatorship in Egypt. That's
0: true. That's true. That's that's also
1: like... on the radar didn't work out the way people thought it would
0: that's also like um (laughs) like the bloomberg campaign paying all the meme aggregator accounts to make bloomberg memes remember that like there was a week of like the bloomberg every every big meme account was like
1: those aggregators lives they all bought beach houses well i
0: mean i was like you know there was a part of me that that's kind of like the, the chaotic uh (laughs) <laughs> the chaotic good I, I realized last night that i'm definitely just chaotic good it's like turns out that's my alignment but that like that sort of i feel like my chaotic good approach to that stuff was just like whenever people are like ah, don't take evil money or something like that you're like well no. <laughs> like m- money's money and uh, sometimes you yeah. can take the evil money it's like robin hood you like have to but um but it's like a very you know i, I almost like didn't begrudge those people
1: all money is evil money. I mean all so money is evil. That's what money. I
0: think. That is what I think. But it's like, whatever. As long as I don't I don't think it's like I don't think it's uh, intellectually honest to criticize people who your only option to survive is to take the scraps from the Lord's table to, to yeah, like not do it, you know, until we have like a new a situation. Huh?
1: I said I would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like what can you do? But so okay, I I do want to try to get something positive out of this out of you i'm like not like again not toxic positivity not that i need positive i'm just like yeah. i want tools i want solutions i want things so like yeah yeah faced with possible situation uh what do you what do i do what do i to not be fucking miserable and to not just dig my put my fucking head in the sand yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So here, here's what I will just say. Like I think one of the things about toxic positivity is that it proposes easy solutions for difficult problems that don't work. Right. So, you know, positivity is not easy. It's hard. It's it's hard. It's probably hard. Like I remember, when I was living in uh, Northern India, my t- my teacher, this monk, who was my teacher, I forget what it was, but I asked him like, which of these two things should I do? You know, a, a decision that seemed like difficult and, and important at the time. And he just asked me, well, uh, I'll just tell you what my teacher told me. Uh, which one is harder for you? And I was like, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah, this one. And he's like, well, that's probably the one that you should do. <laughs> you know, so. Really?
0: Like that was like yeah. flat out was just like, do the, challenging one
1: yeah yeah that's what he said now of course that won't apply in every situation in this case it it like kind of resonated with me like oh yeah this is like the one that's more in accordance with my values you know even though it's harder but but yeah i do think there are you know so even though i don't think we have a template for change at this point like big change i do think yeah uh holding yourself to a higher standard when it comes to kind of being scientifically minded, like looking for evidence and, and just getting comfortable with being wrong. We're wrong all the time. We overestimate how, uh, right we are. Uh, so I think just being comfortable being wrong and learning to say, Oh, I was wrong about this and change your view in the face of evidence. I think that's a really useful skill and to model that, you know, just to model that for everyone in your life. Yeah. Uh, And I think, yeah, to be compassionate and decent to each other is really important to understand that validation and acceptance and accepting reality is not enough. It's the starting point for action. You know, like that's another one that I think is really important. And then I think to be involved locally, you know, to be involved locally, um, to try to make change locally in the sense of like voting for your city council members, your judges.
0: Um, It's so hard to like, I don't know. There's not a lot of resources. I actually literally asked a friend this week. There's one called LA Podcast. They said listen to that. That's a good one. They just talk about like local LA politics and what's going on. If,
1: what if you? you're in LA, my friend Robin Petering, lensco lensco.com, You know, just email Lensco. Us.
0: Yeah, I I follow her on um Twitter. She like there's she often has like good stuff. Robin Petering has like really good. Yeah. There's just very few uh, resources. I feel like it, yeah. it's odd that like national politics seem easier to get info and understanding of than than
1: well because who is making money talking about national politics a lot of people you know I mean, yeah. who's making talking about local politics there's just less money yeah. in it
0: yeah know? that's so, true that's true
1: so i don't know, I don't know.
0: crazy well yeah, so I don't know. So so you said something in there that I think was like really interesting, which is like uh that that like I I'm paraphrasing, but I want you to repeat it if I got it wrong, it was something that like uh feeling like good, wellness isn't like the goal, it's like the starting point to be able to do stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, this this is I think is a something a concept that I run into a lot where it's you know Val- first of all validation and acceptance like when you finally get to a place where you're like okay i accept that like these are the problems i'm having whether it's you know like intermittent uh major depressive episodes or an underlying anxiety you know like okay i finally accept that this is the problem and maybe you're able to like disclose that to people but that's not like you're not done you're just at the very beginning now Right. So that's awesome. Like you getting to the beginning is a big deal. Like if you don't get to the beginning, you can't fucking go anywhere. Right. So you have to get to the like the starting line. You have to, the first job is to just get there to like get to the beginning of the, I don't like the race analogy, but just to start, cause like take a stroll, you know, it's not a race mm-hmm. to get to the beginning. But once you've gotten to the beginning, which demands radical acceptance of the truth of your situation, then you, have, you need to do the things that will, get you to your, your goals that will help you live in a way that's consistent with your values. Um, like, and that requires another set of skills, you know? Um, and I think too often, both in mental health and in general, we think, okay, once I've like told the truth, you know, to myself and accepted reality and, you know, that, that I'm like done now. And it's the opposite of that, I think.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, Back when I was uh first getting into like fitness and stuff like that, uh, like a decade or so ago, which really came out of martial arts. I was doing martial arts stuff and I wanted more GPP for that. I used to I call it uh the daily preparation. That's like how I started to think of it. Was like a sort of like a you know, sort of spiritual practice. I don't think there's like separating spiritual and physical really that much. Just like I say on this podcast, it's called My Good, Bad Brain. Like, I don't think there's a separation between the physical and mental either. Like, it's all...
1: There isn't. Yeah. I mean, what what would that separation be? Where is the non-brain based mind? I mean, what is that?
0: Right. I, I bel- personally believe in it as like an act of faith. I believe like whatever makes us human is like I think of this v- vessel as like this is the TV set and the signal is coming from somewhere else, like whatever consciousness is. But that's me. That's like my personal.
1: <laughs> but it's, it's beyond an act of faith. It's an act of knowledge. I mean, there might be a mind that is entirely separate from our brain, but it doesn't have anything to do with our experience now because right. our experience are so mediated physically. So maybe that, that thing could, yes. if I'm agnostic about it, but it's not what we're experiencing now.
0: Yes, sure. and that's exactly, that's how I always feel. It's like either way, I just for some reason, that thought brings me comfort and I like to think about it. I feel like I've had moments of such absolute certainty about it that it brought me a lot of comfort like i was like oh life is eternal like (laughs) that that's like whatever but that's just you know neither here nor there was the the uh because you can also be like a moment is eternal i sort of feel that way as well that like you know it's very but um that like this uh i don't know the sense that that we're um i literally just fucking blit like totally disappeared do you know what i mean yeah. What was I just saying? I was just saying We're talking about eternal st- moment. That's because my consciousness went off into the cosmos. That there is no experience that I can describe to you or anything else that is not this one. That is not physical. That is not something that comes through the lens of my brain, the chemicals of my like blood brain barrier, the molecules right. smashing around inside of me. It's like a physics problem, most of this experience. But that um there's a sense I, I had this I felt very profound experience one day uh like a year or so ago about that daily that preparation thing is you're like w- what am i doing this for like what, what was i uh doing all this martial arts or like well, i picked them a, a jujitsu right a martial art that is like dealing with uh, a human body a, a physical human body that is non-compliant um all the lifting and strange exercise and things like that. What, what is that for? And like so many people fantasize, they're like these, these apocalypse fantasists, you know, about like the day, all these ninjas are going to like fall out of the ceiling and you're going to be like time to do, to fight these ninja terrorists or something like that. But like, uh, in reality, it was like, my mom had had, she was in the hospital and she had some medical thing where like, she almost died. Like there was like a, a suture broke in from the thing that was very like, Standard and and like uh the like the practice like the procedure she had was standard. It shouldn't have happened. It was like a bad suture, and she got like this embolism. She almost like choked basically on her own swelling and almost died. They got her to the hospital. She was okay. She was in the hospital. So we flew out. We were hanging out there in this hospital, and and at one point, um, because she had to stay in bed, it was like very you know like she went had to go to the bathroom. So I helped walk her to the bathroom, and we like with my brother or so, we, I got her the and. And while just standing up off the toilet after she was like done and I was coming back in to help her as she stood up, she just blacked out like I'd never seen anything like it. It was terrifying, like just sandbag totally disappeared. I It was terrifying. I've never seen it happen in a human body like up close like that, like totally just out on her feet. And it was like out of nowhere, you know, you know, I could, I caught her and you could catch her. And it was like, I've never felt a human body that's that limp either. And she's, you know, and like, it was very challenging. It was probably the hardest physical feat I've done in my life. But you were like, the difference between my mom falling and hitting her head on the ground, you know, totally limp and unconscious on the tile. And who knows what that could, that could kill somebody, you know, you don't know. And not was because I had spent a decade or so doing this stupid martial art, Dealing with non-compliant bodies, doing all this weird lifting. So it was like the prepare, the reason I was like preparing myself for whatever wasn't ninjas falling. Out. It ended up being like, hey, catch, catch your mom, like catch you, know, and hopefully prevent brain damage or whatever the hell could happen, and you know lift her and get her back to the bed. And it was like crazy. And I feel like that kind of uh thing is like, I don't know, that feels very related to this. Like, how do I get to the starting line? Quote unquote, whatever we're going to call it, the base of the mountain, whatever my mountain life is going to be, and why? Like, what am I doing in my daily small moves to be well, to be like whatever that feels like it is, and hopefully doing it without anxiety? I mean, someone just asked the thing: um, uh, any sanity advice for people that live alone? Oh, we'll talk about that in a second. But like this sort of like, if if the baseline is so that I'm ready to act, like, what am I? you know what I mean? Like if, if that's, maybe that's part of the mindset is less about like, maybe that's part of the way you'd feel like less insane in the face of impossible odds is saying like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the path is. I don't have an answer. I just feel like yeah. I should be ready. And if I'm doing my best to prepare myself for whatever that thing is, then maybe I'll at least feel a little sane. like that. I'm yeah. Trying.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this makes me kind of think of a couple of, sort of assumptions that underlie at least like the work that I've done that I think is, and I think these are important assumptions. So like all organisms are kind of at root have two drives, right? It's move towards pleasure, move away from pain. Like that's like, you know, from amoeba all the way up, like that's, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, basic physiological drive. And so with humans, it's like, well, we want to maximize our happiness and I think that's good and true. Like we should try to be happy, of course. What the fuck else? You know, what, why we got to try to be happy? But there are going to be times when just happiness isn't in the cards, and those might be long stretches or short stretches. And this kind of comes back to what, something we've talked about before on this podcast, which is, as human beings, we we can kind of we have like another a higher order like. Um, kind of principle that we can adhere to. So I, while I do think it's important to move towards pleasure and move away from pain, even kind of over and above that, we have this ability to move towards our our values, to move towards the things that we think are important, our personal kind of values. And we can do that independent of whether we're feeling good in the moment. It certainly helps to feel good.
0: Yeah. When
1: you're not feeling good. Uh, and you've like done a lot of work to try to feel good. And it's like, it ain't happening right now. It's kind of like that, um, actions before, uh, or kind of like, um, activation before motivation, kind of truism right. of activation, like get activated and what, that'll kind of drag motivation behind you. Yeah. If you act in accordance with your values, typically feeling decent will come behind that, you know? So figuring out like, what are your broad values and what are they in particular situations that you're running into, and then acting in a way that's consistent with your values, even when you don't feel good, that that is going to, in general, elevate your well-being. Um, yeah. I think that's a, you know, and it's kind of to kind of connected to back to the story that you told is even if you don't feel like exercising one day, you know that like being prepared Physically is important to you. That's a value. Yeah. So, so you might do something so that you're acting in a way that's consistent with your values, even if it's not giving you enjoyment in the moment.
0: Yeah, I will say, like this past month of doing the quarantine calisthenics thing, which I'll do it again today at noon if everybody wants to join. Well, you know, do it at noon at my Instagram live. Has like uh, I haven't I hadn't had a very consistent physical practice prior to that. Had fallen off. And it's like really changed. Uh, it's just uh, that's another thing. I'm not really taking into my account of how fine I'm feeling in quarantine, I guess. It's like, because I'm not every day, but that's like normal. But um, but that, you know, I, I like to think of my body as like um a pet. It's like a dog that I have to take care of. And that like, that's it, it just the reality of it. If I don't take it for walks, if I don't feed it OK, if I don't give it like pets and stuff like that, then like it gets fucking shitty and irritable and depressed. And it like, then I have to deal with the results of it, like shitting on my bed, you know, um, because it's upset, uh, which related to someone asked, um, any sanity advice for people that live alone and miss hugging people, uh, get a cat, a body pillow, find a neighbor who's also alone and agree to be quarantine buddies. <laughs> um, that's actually a very good question. I think a lot of people are, do you have any thoughts about that? Cause obviously like physical contact is like a pretty essential part of, human animal like well it's it's essential it is essential
1: yeah i mean look so if there if you are able to safely without you know violating good quarantine practice get some contact with someone i think that's ideal but you may not be able to do that and if you can't do that i think that you know unfortunately it's like the tried and true stuff that people are doing so if you can do some kind of like video connection with people who you care about that's really important Um, you know, so you have some kind of social contact, that's one. And then two is movement and exercise. Like if you can go outside, especially if you can go like into nature without violating good quarantine safety, I think that's can be really helpful. So nature, and if you can't go into nature, doing some vigorous physical activity to tire your body.
0: Um, Oh yeah, that's a good one
1: that's going to be really important
0: too. That that actually, that was, uh, I would say in like some of my most dire mental states in the past when I've like been really, I would say like in like super duper crisis mode, I do think that, um, physical like practices, I, I just exercising myself to a point of just absolute exhaustion was like one of the, like a life-saving tactic.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, look, there are some things that we know, um, uh release endogenous opiates like endorphins and physical exercises one masturbation is another i'm sure i don't have to remind people to do that when they're alone but you know those things do release endorphins so i think you know do that stuff
0: yeah that's awesome so that's a pretty good note to end on i guess what to do at the end of the world just fucking jack off
1: Let rip. yeah Yep.
0: No, that's funny. Um, well, I don't know. I think like that's pretty good. Someone said their sound just uh, went out. Well, whatever. I I think our sound's going to, You know what? I think we could call it, though, too. We had a pretty good It's 1054. We struggled at the beginning with the thing. I don't know. I hope that this... Uh, I hope that this, like... Whenever people listen to this... I get so nervous about like the the toxic positivity thing. I have the voice in my head, which is like, please just don't stress me out. Don't be stressing me out. Da 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 da. This, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't want to be that. You know the the whole trigger warning concept, which I know there was also like a study thing that came out that was said like trigger warnings actually stress people out more you know, that like that, uh, it's, I feel like it's like if a baby falls down on their face and you go, Oh, Oh, they like start crying, but if they fall on your face. You go, Oh, you okay. They're just like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. Like they respond to your,
1: I'm not a big, I mean, I am only in favor of the trigger warning in very, very limited circumstances. I'm not a big supporter of that.
0: Okay. Yeah. But you know what I mean? But this sort of like, uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess you said it earlier is like, baseline is like it's not about denying the problems that exist it's about like acknowledging them and then approaching them with like knowledge and and um
1: yeah the the reason i feel like it's certainly we don't want to be like fucking you know on purpose stressing people out for no reason that's like just shitty behavior right. but i think stress causes adaptation if you have the tools to adapt but oh, without stress you don't get any adaptation so nice. a little bit of stress with the tools to convert that stress into adaptation is good you know so i think hopefully if to the extent that we raise stressful topics they're accompanied by the tools that you need to convert that stress into adaptation so trying to avoid stress um I mean, certainly that's impossible to do. And I don't think it's good to do either. You know, like look at people who have very, very low stress in their lives when then they're exposed to a bigger stressor, like they perform horribly. And so we don't want to be those people.
0: Um, That's a really great. Like, just sort of attitude to adopt about stress that I don't think I've heard anyone actually say that stress induces adaptation. Like that's the evolutionary thing about it, as long as you have the tools to to. Deal with it. And then, if you do have the tools to deal with it, like we discussed a bunch of them here, like it's exercising, it's getting involved in local politics, it's like learning more about your, you know, whatever the topic is that's stressing you.
1: Physiological relaxation, like everyone should just have in their back pocket knowing how to do deep breathing and knowing how to do progressive muscle relaxation. And you could just type both of those phrases into YouTube and you'll get a million.
0: Okay, I'll bug yes. I'll bug you to give me a favorite one this week, especially for the progressive muscle relaxation. Cause I think I've done it without knowing it was called that, but I want to find one because that seems like a useful thing to say. Say it one more time.
1: Oh, I'll find a good progressive muscle relaxation script.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm trying to get better at a not over talking in general and B like on this thing. I really have to whenever we're talking at the same time, I like can't I'm like, I can't understand. So I'm trying to just shut the fuck up more, which is Intermittent at best. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for being here on this week. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, if you got over here to the, the YouTube one, I have enjoyed this. I think it it's a little more delay, but let me know what you think. It seems maybe it's easier for people to engage. Maybe we'll just keep trying this one. Might as well. We tried Mixer for like a month and maybe we'll try the YouTube one might as well because it's like we got it. Yeah. Uh, hey man thanks a lot um, check out uh, mygoodbadbrain.com if you want shirts or anything like that patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain if you want to throw any bucks at the show that's always that's helpful um, and um, I don't know what do you want to you want to plug anything
1: I not have really plugs but I will find that script because I think it's good I'll, I'll find the rest of relaxation and the deep breathing like video um, cool. that people can follow along with because fuck we all we all could use yeah seriously this
0: And then, uh, oh, and then, oh, quarantine calisthenics. If anybody wants to, on the on that note, if you feel like exercising, I've been doing it every day at noon on Instagram Live at my uh, Jarrett underscore Sleeper. And um, hey, it's been cool. Like yesterday, someone like there's some regulars. Some people are like calling it the quarantine. They're like recognizing each other on there. It's it's neat. It's really fun. It's we're done. I I haven't ever gone over an hour, which is amazing. It's usually about thirty minutes of actual exercise, even including. Uh, including all the talking, we're usually out by 1245, but no later than one, as long as I start on time. (laughs) All right. So we'll see you guys at noon if you want to do that. Uh, thanks guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks Dr. Nick. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
2: Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person. So I'm insane. I've got depression. But I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person is.